Candy from Strangers by Mark Coggins is original, smart, and good to the last page, says best-selling author and executive producer of the hit TV series Bosch, Michael Connolly. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 23, Dark Room Developments I felt a hollow, craven feeling inside, like I'd filched from the church offering basket. And while I wasn't going to consider myself off the case until I heard it directly from Ellen, that didn't mean I had a clue about what to do next. I paced around the apartment for the next 20 minutes trying to decide, twice ignoring the phone when it rang, and eventually concluded that I could be just as rudderless and guilt-ridden at work as I could be at home. When I walked through the door to the outer office, I found Boniker standing next to his desk, gabbing away on his cell phone. He wore a meatball brown running suit with a tight collar and elastic at the wrists and ankles. It fit like a fumigation tent. I just get the gastrointestinal sense that you don't have sufficient coverage, Larry, I heard him say into the phone. He smiled at me and rubbed his fingers together like he was already fondling the commission check. I went past him to Gresham's cubicle. She looked up with a strained expression. When are you going to get a cell phone, August? I glanced back at Boniker. As soon as I start selling insurance, or hell freezes over, whichever comes first, why? Because I've been trying to reach you all morning. You've got to get with the program. Private investigators in the 21st century have cell phones. I'll take it under advisement. What's up? She crossed her arms, being careful not to wrinkle the flouncy black silk blouse she had selected for today. You have a crying man in your offices. What's up? Her eyes ran over my face and her expression softened. And you look like shit. That's because I feel like shit. Spending the night in a police station can often have that effect. So who's the man and why is he crying? She nodded towards my office door. Better see for yourself. I couldn't get anything out of him but saline. She watched as I twisted the knob and pushed through to the office. George Wesson sat with his head in his hands in one of the client's chairs. If I looked like I'd spent the night in a police station, he'd look like he'd spent it tumbling in a clothes dryer. Everything about him was rumpled and rent, from his disheveled hair to the mudstain and abraded leather clogs on his feet. Dr. Wesson, I asked. He looked up. Tears had scored his face like hot wax, and his eyes were red-rimmed. I told you I don't have a Ph.D., he said quietly. Sorry. I really did forget this time. May I ask why you're here? You of all people should know. You found her. I nodded carefully, and thought a long moment before I spoke. The last thing I wanted was to derail him from saying whatever it was he'd come to say. You're talking about Monica. Yes, I did find her. Do you know anything about what happened? He half turned his head and worked his features into a bitter, distorted smile, fighting off more tears. I know she's dead, and I know the papers say I'm a person of interest in the case. 
I gather that's the new politically correct way of saying I'm a suspect. But you didn't have anything to do with her death. He sniffed and ran the cuff of his rumpled white shirt under his nose. I did, but not in the way you think. I would have never done anything purposefully to harm her. I was in love with her. I heard the door to the office pull closed behind me. Gretchen had rightly determined that this was an interview better conducted in private. I chewed my lip for a moment and then went around my desk to my chair and eased into it. It still managed a subdued squeak, like a whimpering dog. Maybe you better explain how you were involved, then. Wesson focused on the spot on the floor and talked in an emotionless drone. We were having a love affair. You know, something about Monica and her commercial endeavors. So you might conclude the love was all on my side, and the only thing on Monica's was money. But it wasn't. His eyes came up to mine, daring me to challenge his statement. Okay. He nodded to himself. She cared for me as much as I cared for her. I never gave her money or expensive gifts, only photographs I had taken. She, on the other hand, would often buy expensive things for me. For instance, that lens you made me break in the studio was a gift from her. I didn't know what Wesson photos were going for, but the cynic in me wondered if she wasn't treating the relationship as a long-term investment, funding his photographic equipment needs in return for valuable artwork. I didn't say that, however. What I said was, If this was a relationship of equals, then why keep it a secret? Are you married? Now you're being disingenuous. No, I'm not married. But Monica was a very young woman. And although she never took any courses from me, she was also a student at a school where I was an instructor. Maybe you've met our school president, Julie Jang. She's about as sympathetic as... A spiked mace? Yes, exactly. I would have been out on my ear in an instant. The last time I spoke to you, you gave me the big speech about treating all your models professionally on a non-sexual basis. Sounds like that was just so much chewing gum. Were you having an affair with Carolyn Stockwell, too? Wesson flung a heated look at me, stood up, clawed his fingers into his thighs while teetering on his feet, and then abruptly sat down. I had my doubts about coming here. You're not giving me much in the way of reassurance. I thought of at least three smart remarks to make to that, but bit them off. I leaned forward in my chair to run my hands over the tattered cardboard on the desk blotter, smoothing it down. Look, I'm not sure why you are here, but if you're expecting my help in some way, shape, or form, you've got to realize that my interest in this thing has always been about finding out what happened to Carolyn. It's clear to me that you know much more about both girls than you've admitted to before. Give me what I want and I'll do my best to help you, within the limits of the law. Otherwise, you're wasting both of our time. He pinched at the whiskers of his mustache with a thumb and forefinger and nodded slightly. I wasn't lying before. My relationship with Carolyn has always been that of artist and model, or student and teacher. She only comes into it to the extent that she was friends with Monica, and friends with the person who... His voice trailed off and he looked down at the floor again. Killed Monica, I prompted. Yes, that's my strong suspicion, but I was going to say the person who did Monica's tattoo. I sat straight up with a loud squeal. And who was that? I don't know. Monica never said exactly. She told me it was someone Carolyn was seeing, 
and suggested that she met him through the website. But that was it. Suggested how exactly? Oh, nothing explicit. She just said that he was one of Carolyn's many admirers. I assumed he had come through the website because they both had so many admirers from there. I mulled that over, trying to imagine the conversation between Wesson and Monica. How did Monica refer to him, I asked. She must have used his name. She can't have always referred to him as Carolyn's boyfriend. Wesson looked up at me, pressing his palm to his forehead like he was in pain. She didn't even call him her boyfriend exactly. Just somebody she was involved with. I've thought about it a lot, and I don't remember her ever mentioning a name. Did she mention what he did for a living? How old he was? Anything specific? The only thing I remember her saying about him was that he knew all about tantric sex, the Kama Sutra and that sort of thing. I half kiddingly asked her where the guy had learned all that. She just laughed at me. And then, and then we didn't talk about it anymore. What did you talk about? Wesson reddened. We were in bed. We had sex. I tilted my head back and blew air through my lips. Okay, let me ask you another question. Carolyn took a lot of photographs of body art. I saw them in her bedroom and in a coffee shop exhibition. Did you see those photographs? And did you ever hear her talk about the artist responsible for the tattoos? Wesson gave me a bleak little smile. Your thoughts are paralleling my own. When I read about Monica's death this morning, I remembered Carolyn's photos. She had taken a number of them for my classes, and I tried to recall if she ever mentioned an artist. I don't think she did. I asked her one time how she had found the models, and she told me she had placed a flyer on the school bulletin board, like many of us do. I think she took the subjects as they came, rather than seeking out people who had gotten tattoos from a particular artist. All right. So we've got someone Carolyn met through the website who studied the Kama Sutra. But you said you were somehow responsible for Monica's death. I haven't heard anything that ties with that. His eyes welled with moisture again, and he rubbed at them with the back of his hand. I meant that I encouraged her in something that may have led to her death. Not that I was directly responsible. Let's have it, then. It has to do with the tattoo on her shoulder. The first time I saw it was the day you intruded on us in the studio. I told her I didn't like it, that it detracted from her natural beauty. What'd she say? She said it was her body and she could do what she wanted. She also said that it was exquisitely executed and that I was a snob about photographic arts and wasn't willing to admit that a tattoo could be art as well. I got angry then. I told her that was hitting below the belt because she knew that many of the other artists in the school and the world at large still don't consider photography to be an art. I told her she could keep the tattoo, but I would never take a picture of her where it was visible, that I didn't want something so cheap and artificial appearing in my images. But I've seen the pictures you took of Carolyn that showed the stud in her belly button. How was this different? It wasn't. I asked Carolyn to take the stud out when we began our sessions in the studio, but I found the hole it left to be more distracting than the stud itself, and I certainly didn't approve of Monica's, but she'd gotten it long before we met. There were bits of pencil erasers scattered around my desk. I began herding them together with the edge of a memo pad. Then you must not have cared very much for Carolyn's shots of body art, I said idly. Yes and no. 
Her artistic motivations for those images were coming from a different place. It wouldn't have been a subject I would have selected, but I respected her choice nonetheless. I got annoyed with the erasure bits and all the gabble about aesthetics and swept them off the desk. We're chewing around the edges here. What's the punchline? It looked to me like Monica tried to have the tattoo removed when I found her body. What happened? Wesson nodded solemnly. We met after I kicked you out of the studio. She had thought about the tattoo in the meantime and admitted that she didn't feel as strongly about it as she had suggested. And if I wanted her to get rid of it, she would. The only thing she felt bad about was betraying Carolyn's friend. She said he was struggling to find acceptance for his art, and this would be upsetting to him. So she went to a doctor to have it removed, and when Carolyn's friend found out, he killed her. He brought his head down to rest on the palm of his hand. Yes, he said into the floor. That must have been what happened. When's the last time you saw her? We had lunch together yesterday. She had just gotten back from the first laser treatment. The doctor told her she would need three or four more to remove the tattoo completely. How was her mood? Still looking down, he brought his shoulders up in a tiny shrug. She was upbeat. She said she felt good about the decision to have the tattoo taken off, and she told me she had just sold some things on eBay for a lot of money. I was tired, and the strain of thinking up the right questions to ask Wesson was turning my brain into so much stir-fried tofu. Something was bothering me about the timeline. Carolyn had come home by then, I said. Had Monica heard from her? Not that she mentioned to me. But if Monica got the tattoo while Carolyn was gone, then that means Carolyn's friend was still in the area while she was missing. Wesson sat up in the chair, letting his head loll wearily against his shoulder. Monica had given me the impression that they had gone on a trip to Mexico. Apparently they came back sometime sooner than Carolyn returned home, but Monica didn't say anything about seeing her or talking with her. Do you know where they were staying? No. I told you I didn't even know the guy's name. Then what about you? Where were you when Monica was killed? He snapped his head around to stare at me. I don't know when she was killed. Neither do I, but tell me what you did after you had lunch. We went back to my apartment in North Beach for several hours. We had more s- Okay, okay, I get the picture, Wesson. What did you do after she left? I went into the dark room. I was way behind on my printing. I worked all night and then went to a little place on Columbus to get some breakfast before I crashed. That was when I saw the article about her death in the paper. What did you do then? I'd been wandering the streets trying to decide what to do. I already knew from the article that the police wanted to talk to me, and I knew that they would find my semen in her body, and that would only make it worse. Swell. Did anyone see you after Monica left your apartment? He closed his eyes and shook his head. No, I was in the dark room by myself until I stopped for breakfast. No one saw me between the time she left and the time I walked into the restaurant. Did you have a new Japanese student who was matriculating at the school next year? He frowned. What does that have to do with this? Humor me and answer the question. We get a lot of foreign students who enroll at the school. Most of them never finish the coursework. It's mainly a dodge to get a long-term visa. And? And yes, I got assigned advising duties for a Japanese girl starting in January. Her name is Mika something. I met with her a couple times. She can barely put two English words together. 
I don't expect her to last long. She already washed out. She was found dead a block from the school with a butterfly tattoo on her shoulder. It didn't get much play in the papers, because no one knew who she was until recently. Wesson's face became very pale. A look of raw fear crystallized in his eyes. I do remember reading about that. I noticed it because it was so close to the school, but I never... They're going to think I killed her too, aren't they? Based on my conversation with the cops this morning, it's pretty clear they already do. I guess it's time to get it out on the table. What do you want from me? My God, it's obvious, isn't it? I want you to keep me out of jail. I don't think anyone can do that. You'll have to go in for at least a day or two until you make bail. I can recommend a bail bondsman and a good criminal lawyer if you like. He jumped to his feet and put both hands on the edge of the desk to lean into my face. I noticed for the first time that his fingernails were stained black and that a faint aroma of vinegar and ammonia emanated from his person. You're not getting me, he said sharply. I want to hire you to find Monica's killer, her real killer. I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him gently back. You're the one who isn't getting it. At this point, there's nothing you could do to stop me from finding her killer. I just hope for your sake that you're telling the truth. I said I loved her, Wesson began, but three sharp raps on the pebble glass of the office door interrupted his thought. Come in, I shouted. Jack Kittredge came through the door, grinning like he was there to pick up a new suit. Behind him stood another cop, and behind him, Gretchen with her arms held rigid at her side, looking as mad as I've ever seen her. I told him to stay out, she snapped. And that's exactly what I told your boss this morning said Kittredge. He stepped forward, pulling a pair of handcuffs off his belt as he came. Dr. Wesson, you're under arrest for the murder of Monica Mappa. Wesson dissolved against the desk. I don't have a PhD, he said miserably. You have been listening to Candy from Strangers, a book Mystery Scene magazine described as crackling and whip smart. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. <laughs>